You're listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income, currency, and commodity markets today. We are recording this on Tuesday, March 28th, and our comments today are based on our weekly publication from Friday, available to institutional clients of JP Morgan on JP Morgan Markets. I'm Srini Ramaswamy, co-head of US Rate Strategy for JP Morgan, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Ipek Ozil, to discuss what's been happening in the banking system in the past few weeks and how it might impact the US rates and derivatives markets. A lot has happened recently, uh, Ipek. Should we set the stage a little bit? Uh, sure. Uh, let me maybe start with some of the big picture items. Uh, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, as well as Signature Bank, has sparked what you could call a deposit redistribution within the system, and also actually some migration of deposits out of banks altogether. What's happening is that smaller banks are losing deposits to the larger banks, but banks overall are losing deposits to government money market funds. Just last week, money market fund assets under management rose by about $130 billion, and the number for all of March is over twice that. But I would stress, there are signs of stabilization, which we will actually talk about. But before we get to the positive signs, let's also discuss how banks are likely responding to this crisis. First, banks that are under some stress are likely going to either the discount window or the newly created bank term funding program, the BTFP. If we look at the H4 release this week, we can see that the BTFP usage is up roughly 50 billion since its creation. And discount window usage is up 100 billion this month. I would guess though that a small number of banks are likely turning to these facilities. More broadly, I would say banks of all sizes have likely been building up their liquidity buffers in recent weeks. This could involve actions such as drawing advances from the home loan bank system, which exists precisely actually to provide collateralized liquidity to banks in times of need. And actually, if we look at the home loan bank issuance, it has risen roughly 300 billion this month, as our colleagues have noted, which in and of itself points to a liquidity buildup in the banking system. But of course, this is not all that we saw in the past few weeks. This month has brought significant unanticipated changes in the Fed's balance sheet. Srini, why don't you share your thoughts on that? Yes, um, you know, definitely major changes on the Fed's balance sheet. Um, you know, maybe the place to begin is by recalling that the Fed was actually in the process of shrinking its balance sheet when all of this uh, March madness began, um, you know, from a peak of, you know, over nine trillion or so, the Fed's balance sheet um, had fallen to 8.3-ish trillion by late February. But this is, you know, since then it has grown by, you know, call it 400 billion or so in recent weeks. Um, bank reserves are up nearly 400 billion, um, you know, this month. And RRP usage um, is also up by, you know, 150 to, uh, you know, 200 billion. Um, but, you know, typically when we think about the Fed's balance sheet growing, you know, like it's, uh, we, we associate with, you know, that with the crisis. And yeah, there is some of that, but there are also um, some silver linings here. Uh, first, month to date, the growth in reserves is actually well in excess of RRP usage. Uh, and this actually suggests that, you know, banks have been building up cash balances or liquidity 
um, you know, proactively, you know, sort of in excess of, you know, just replacing sort of lost or, or migrating deposits. Um, the second point to note is actually reserves went down this past week. Um, if the crisis was actually accelerating and worsening, um, you know, we would not be seeing that and we would see, um, you know, the, the growth in reserves would be picking up steam. Um, so I think all of these do point to, you know, sort of some sense of the panic subsiding. Uh, Chairman Powell as well sort of alluded to that in, uh, in the press conference last week. And uh, so it does seem like, you know, there are some silver linings here and we might be approaching some sort of nervous stabilization. Uh, Ipek, uh, we actually made it this far into this podcast without talking about last week's hike. So why don't you share some of our thoughts, um, you know, on the Fed hike itself? Sure. Um, well, the Fed delivered a pretty much consensus 25 basis point hike last week. But I would say that the forward-looking outlook is actually way more uncertain than it was before. Chair Powell, in his press conference, acknowledged that credit conditions are likely to tighten, right, as banks are building up their liquidity or hanging on to liquidity. And this credit tightening would, of course, relieve some of the rate hiking that the Fed might otherwise have had to do. Our economists estimate that each 2% slowdown in loan growth is the equivalent of roughly 50 to 100 basis point of rate hikes. This is, of course, meaning it's in the sense of having a similar drag on growth. The problem is, though, inflation pressures continue to persist, forcing the Fed's hand, but we also don't know how much we also don't know the extent of the credit contraction at this point. So in some way, we're flying blind, right? We don't know how much tightening has been delivered to the economy. And we also don't know how much credit will contract going forward. Our own view is that banks are likely to prioritize balance sheet liquidity above all else for some time. And this will mean that loan growth will likely slow quite a bit, and risk of rate cuts are higher than they were before. Just to be clear, this is not our baseline call as of now, but the risks of such an outcome are definitely higher than they were just a few weeks ago. And um, how are markets reacting to all of this? What do you see in the markets? Oh, markets have been incredibly choppy. Basically, 15, 20 basis point daily moves seem to be a common occurrence. I would say, actually, today markets have moved at most 10 basis points during the day, which, given everything that we have been going through, it feels like a relatively quiet day. But moving on from that, I would say a few things are worth noting. Um, One, our implied principle component framework, and for our listeners, we have discussed this in an earlier podcast in December, is suggesting that the first principal component alone should explain the bulk of variation rates. This is not surprising. Um, This is actually typical of crisis environments where correlations rise both within and across markets. And one single factor, you can call that bank fears, crisis expectations, accounts for most of the volatility. So actually when we say in our title, banks are not banks are now the first principal component, that's what we mean. And I would also say another notable characteristic of crisis periods is that the correlation between volatility and rates, it actually turns negative. This is a big change from where we were just a few weeks ago, where 
log normal rate behavior created positive correlations. And this was a pretty key characteristic of markets for latter half of last year and also basically this year up until a few weeks ago. So a lot has changed over the course of just a few weeks. And I guess maybe I'll stop there and pass it on to you, Shuni. Any concluding thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I guess, you know, I, I guess I will say uh, it is still early days. This whole crisis is barely a few weeks old at this point, uh, but we are hopeful that a stabilization is, is underway. But even the kind of nervous stabilization that we're talking about does not necessarily mean a return to sort of the status quo that we had as of, you know, call it February. Um, you know, banks will almost surely be operating with larger liquidity buffers, which basically means holding more cash or short-term risk-free securities, um, and which, which means, you know, sort of less um, loan growth or, 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 you know, loan originations. Um, the economic consequences of that are inevitable, uh, but of course they are unknown at this stage of the game, and, and, you know, it's something that we should be watching, you know, pretty carefully going forward. Um, I think markets are likely to continue to exhibit the sort of telltale characteristics of a crisis period behavior. Um, it means, you know, like you said, EPEC, it does mean sort of sustained negative, you know, wall rate correlations, which basically means walls rise in a, in a, in a rally when yields are falling and walls fall when yields are rising. Um, it also means we think that yield curves will probably be biased a little steeper, especially between the belly and the long end of the curve. Um, and lastly, correlations are likely to be higher across markets, right? I mean, whether it's a day when crisis fears are sort of worsening or receding, I think it will impact all markets, um, you know, to a material degree. And you're likely to see these, you know, sort of correlated behavior across markets. Um, it also rise, it increases the risks of a simultaneous fall in yields as well as a fall in equities. Um, you know, that risk, I think, is a little higher now than it was, you know, last month. Um, and that's material because if that were to happen, it could pressure swap spreads at the long end of the curve. It could pressure that, you know, narrower, um, you know, if, if, if you get the simultaneous decline in stocks and, and yields. Of course, none of this is a foregone conclusion. I think markets this week are so far consistent with, um, you know, positive and stabilizing trends. And there's every reason to expect that we'll move past this current crisis quickly sort of like how we move past the UK, you know, guilt market stresses some time ago. Um, but of course, you know, like even if we do that, I think banks will still be trading a little more cautiously going forward. Well, um, EPEC, we have covered a lot of ground today. Um, so we're gonna leave it here. Thank you so much for having this fascinating discussion with me today and sharing your thoughts on this, uh, on this topic. And thank you to all the listeners tuning into this podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, J.P. Morgan's Global Research Podcast Series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. All rights reserved. This episode was recorded on 28 March, 2023.